0: guru nation welcome to episode 529 of random usings from the clinical trials guru in this episode i interview ada george one of our clients she's actually been a client of ours for three years now Uh, but she didn't she wasn't successful right away and i think it's important to highlight the fact that a lot of people might fall into this category although her results were unusual on the uh slower side of things i mean things developed way, way slower than normal uh, with, in her situation. We get into why and we get into a lot of her background and uh, how, what she's doing now. She does have a successful site now and it's growing and everything seems to be going well. It just took longer than expected to get there. So it's a success story that uh, took longer to develop, but still important nonetheless. Uh, if you need help getting studies for your site or need help managing your site um, as far as biz dev contracts and budgets source sops text me 949-415-6256 also in the show notes check out the cra and crc academies check out the youtube premium page with a monthly exclusive zoom call just for the youtube members as well as some early access to videos and uh, some youtube premium exclusive videos as well when we talk about social media and different things like that so check that out hopefully you find some value there and let me know what you think about this episode talk to you later hello guru nation welcome back to another episode today's episode we got a very special guest ada george she's the founder of eagle clinical research and she's a perfect example of someone who's been in this industry for a good amount of time built up a lot of experience with the CROs, the big CROs, um, worked her way up, but then started a research site. And she's actually been a client of ours, DSCS. You can see Chris somewhere back here. Um, he's working right now, but, and Chris is listening. So he might ask questions to you, but Ada's been a client with us for a while with the SCS, maybe like what, two years? Three years? Almost
1: two years, yes. Um, Next month we'll make it two years.
0: Almost two years. And we really do our best to make sure our clients get studies as quickly as possible. But sometimes it takes longer than others. And for Ada, for whatever reason, it took her a really long time to get studies going. But once they started coming through it became easier and easier. It just took, for whatever reason, much longer than average with Ada. And I remember we had a lot of conversation while we're trying to figure out what's going on. I know Chicago's somewhat competitive. We can talk about that too. Um, sometimes it's just luck, also I think, um, or so the, you know the way the circumstances are. Whatever the case is, the point is, Ada site's doing well now. And we got a lot of stories to talk about in the process. In this two years, you've learned a lot, right, Ada? Mm -hmm. You've learned a lot. So um, just a client success story that didn't start out very great. And I think it's important to be honest and showcase these stories as well, because not everyone's going to be successful within the first three months or four months, sometimes it's going to take 12 months. 16 months, although it's a little bit unusual, but we're going to try to figure out how that happened, what Eagle Research is doing now, how Ada got started in research, and then we got a lot of unfinished business to discuss at the end uh, with a sponsor. It's a, a cautionary tale.
1: Definitely a, July, 2018,
0: we'll July 2018, Chris says, is when I said started. next month, right? Next That's month? 53 years, Ada, not two. Oh! Oh, time we flies. Y'all all fast forward to 2020, don't three, worry. Everybody, when you're
1: having fun, <laughs> time flies.
0: <laughs> 3 years. So, three from that years three years, as your clients, it took like a year and a half to really like get you stable as a site, right? More or less. So, we're going to talk about how you persevered. It takes a special kind of person to not give up. Um, so let's talk about you. Thank you, Ada, for coming on.
1: Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having
0: me. And so, how did you get started in research? Because your LinkedIn profile is very impressive. We're gonna have links to the Eagle Clinical Research underneath. Yes. Everybody that wants to look at Eagle, you want to try to intern there. Um, you want to try to work there. It's in Chicago land. Let Ada know. Follow them and uh, reach out to them through the LinkedIn underneath. But give us a little bit background about yourself, Ada, how you get started in research.
1: Well, my story, um, it's almost straightforward in the sense that I got in a long time ago. So back in 2006, um, it was a very different industry then. Um, It was, the clinical research industry was not very well known, You were typically an insider Um, and that's how you knew about it. And then when you did begin to tell people about uh, wanting to veer down that path, they had no clue and so could not advise you with regards to that. I lucked onto it. Um, I had just rounded up my biological sciences degree and uh, a professor of mine had uh, spoken to me about, you know, my plans for the future. Uh, This was a, a very good professor friend of mine and I was kind of tossing around a few things and she asked me, had I ever considered research? And I'm like, oh, I wanna be in a lab stuck in somewhere. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. It's nothing like that. It's, there's a vast, vast area of uh, careers you can find within research, everything from regulatory to data to um, uh, quality and of course clinical research as we know it. Um, And so I I was interested and she actually um, was friends with an owner of a smaller Sierra um, and she said she could introduce me. And so she did and they, of course, you know, coming from her being recommended from by her, um, they were willing to bring me on board and train me. Um, And so that's how I trained first um, as a clinical trial assistant in house. And then eventually I started to shadow and monitor other CRAs and eventually became a field CRA myself. Um, But the one thing about that company was it really was project based. And so your your ability to be in the field was really based upon what project was available. And so I decided to uh, seek an opportunity that would be more consistent. Um, And I was able to join one of the top CROs uh, in the industry then and still now Um, And I was with them for a couple of years before I moved on to join an actual pharmaceutical company. And so throughout the years, I've been able to be part of CROs as well as major pharmaceutical companies. And I've had the opportunity to um, experience different therapeutic areas and actually specialize. I get a lot of... um, of uh, contacts from companies for some of my specialty areas because they're they're very much niche like ophthalmology it's very much a niche um and so that's one of the things that you have to be a little careful about because once you have a specialty they want to keep you in that specialty but um i was lucky to have a wide breadth from vaccines to respiratory to uh um, oncology ophthalmology and so i've been in the industry now for about I would say about 15, 16 years hardcore as a clinical researcher. Um, Having seen both sides from inside um, pharmaceutical companies, working, um, managing studies inside, being a CTA, being a field monitor, and going out and working with sites, I'd seen every aspect you can think of in research and understood how it was operating. Um, And so I thought, you know, uh, what would it be like to be an owner? Mm -hmm. of a clinical study. uh,
0: When did that that idea start uh, forming? Because not every CRA ever gets that idea.
1: About 10 years in, 2016. Wow. Um, And I would, you know, go to these sites and kind of like just try to drop some, you know, little uh, questions to the the coordinators and the PIs in terms of how they got started. Are they operating under a network? Are they independent? Just just try to get a feel of what it was like uh, yeah. running these sites. Um, but I wasn't ever able to get, you know, really fleshed out answers. And so I started looking online, doing some research, and one name kept coming up, <laughs> and that's yours, truly. Um, and so. I started watching a lot of your videos and um, especially the ones that spoke to site owners because you have a lot of uh, content with uh, CRAs. I'm already one, so you know it was great. Sometimes you learn new things because you always learn something from a fellow CRA, but I was really interested in in, uh, being a site owner and seeing if that was even a possibility. Um, And so watching your videos gave me a little bit of hope that there's a possibility but I knew I needed to take the next step. And that was to eventually reach out to you.
0: Yes, and uh, and we'll get into that, but now that you've been a site owner for going, almost three years, right? Or maybe mm-hmm. a little longer.
1: I am officially an owner for three years, but not active the entire three years, yes.
0: Right, so what do you, now you've worked at f- sp- uh, f- sponsor level, CRO level, and now site as an entrepreneur. Um, which one do you like the most? So, you
1: know, there's pros and cons, right? Um, And I think there's something to be said about being an owner Mm -hmm. of your own business. Now I've been a consultant as a CRA, that's still a one man job and you're going out there, you're doing what you gotta do and you're done. That's very different from being an owner and walking into your clinic, seeing your staff, being approached by people. Um, I think there's a difference in the way people approach you. Uh, They interact and engage with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if it's just the fact that they know that this is a very serious venture. um, And they also know there are so many things that we can offer and provide, not just doctors, but hospitals and the patients themselves. So it's a very different um, feeling being an owner of an actual structure um, of a clinic.
0: And you know what? We talk to a CRA probably every week that wants to start a site. And they all assume that they're going to do well as a site owner because they know the industry so well. And I always tell them, look, we've had many a CRA reach out to us. From our experiences, that There's no guarantee that just because you're a CRA that you're going to make a good site owner. Um, oftentimes, that all that structure that you've had, especially at big CROs, works against you because when you start your own site, there is no structure. You have to create the structure. There's nobody telling you what to do or you didn't fill out your report properly. I mean, you're creating everything from scratch. And it's good to have someone like us helping you. But even with that, There's only so much we can do. You're going to have to learn, you know, school of hard knocks this way. And I'm sure you've gone through that, through those pain points. Can you kind of, maybe there's a CRA right now watching, I don't know, somewhere in Atlanta. Okay. And she's saying, wow, I I think I can do what Ada did too. What advice, what warnings do you have for her? Let's give the warnings first, because we don't want to give just the good stuff. The good stuff we know is you're gonna have your own site, you're gonna be independent, you're gonna make a lot of money, you don't have to travel, you're gonna tell coordinator what to do. What's the bad stuff?
1: You know, one of the reasons I was really um, looking forward to doing this is because I wanted the opportunity to present a different perspective than what's often shown or than than what people perceive being a site owner is. Yes, you think that with the immense amount of knowledge that you have as a CRA and the immense amount of interactions that you've had as a CRA, that you're able to take those skills and transfer them to building a study site. Um, And it's far from it. Yes, does the knowledge come in helpful? Does it come in handy that you understand FDA, IRB, regulatory, um, GCP, yes. That's great, but that doesn't build your site. That's the foundation and the basis of your site, but that doesn't build up a structure where not only are you awarded studies, but you're able to execute them. And it's a total different thing um, working from that side. And the challenges that we saw, we hadn't expected it because yes, did I go in with a false sense of, I've been in this industry, I know what's up, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Is and, most areas.
1: and listen, I'd seen site owners on your platform that had never been in the field. Right. So I'm like, if they can make it, then my gosh,
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: Um, and so, yes, I walked in um, a little bit cocky. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um after having, of course, um, cons- uh, done some consultancy work with you and, and uh, Chris and you know, you guys walking me through what the process is, just kind of um, reiterating what I'd kind of already picked up from your, from your channel, I walked in believing that this was going to be a walk in the park, um, but then it wasn't. <laughs> I joined, as you said, uh, uh, under your network in 2018, July. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go in by myself. I took a lot of advice from you um, with the different ways to set up. And I decided not to do a standalone on my own buying all this equipment. I decided to partner with a doctor who had a clinic already. Mm-hmm. So in terms of that type of investment, I didn't need to worry about that. Um, and of course, I the doctor never done research. So I gave him this, well, I mean, I bulleted everything and how we're gonna make millions and this and uh-huh. that. And you know he's he was game. He's like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. So in 2018, uh, we got started. I partnered with him, and I brought on board um, a finance guy as well, so that we could just do things right from the beginning, right? I didn't want that aspect uh, to get muddied or you know a little bit confusing. Um, and so we went st- uh, straight ahead and did all the things that were needed to get set up, and started. Waiting for um, sites, I mean, sponsors. Yeah, to, waiting for
0: them to roll in. Come yeah, on.
1: To, to roll that <laughs> in, guys. And,
0: it, it, <laughs> you know,
1: we were using your services as well. So you guys were submitting on our behalf, but we were also looking ourselves. Um, but we were just sure being in Chicago, having everything we need, we knew we would pass a uh, uh, PSV. Uh, 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 pre-site visitation, um, we knew we had everything in place. We had a doctor who was a family person, so he he had a wide variety of patients he was seeing. Uh, the database had every type of therapeutic area you could think of, and we had also uh, connected with a potential sub eyes who were in specialty areas that could also come on board, so we thought we were ready, and uh, we applied, we applied, we applied, and we applied. Uh, we looked up and i wrote this down because i was so traumatized it's amazing i'm the way i am now i was so traumatized at the time at how difficult how challenging this was so we started july 2018 by march 2019 eight months later i'm like sos damn you know what's what's going on you know uh, we wrote you we couldn't understand and you couldn't understand it either you're like this is not average this is not typical Let's meet. And so we met, we talked about particular strategies, decided to redo things a, a little bit. And then we, we we got back into the field. And um, I remember in April, you asked for our PI's resume to make sure lighting things the way they should be highlighted with regards to his background. So they're not the over as a part of sponsors wanting to talk to your PI, right? Um, by 10th month, and no study. Uh, we had another meeting. And discussed um, these things. This is um, about yeah, almost a year in. I had asked, so what follow up like with submissions? And you said, you know what? I don't normally do this, but because this is such an odd situation. I'm personally going to make sure I do follow-ups.
0: Oh, I forgot um, for about that. I did forget about I'm that. I'm sure
1: you did. Wow. Dan is a yeah. hands-on man, okay? <laughs>
0: I don't like to, so, but if I, have, if I see uh, it, no, no. Struggling you struggling like You made this.
1: it clear. You wanted our success. And that was the big thing to you. You took this very personal, which I appreciated very much. Um, so you started to do the follow-ups of submissions and so on. Um, and we came close a couple of times. Um, but, you know, they didn't go with us. They decided not to go with us. Um, in the meantime, you were making sure we had everything in place, like our SOPs. You would ask questions, like, are your SOPs in place? Is everybody GCP certified? Like you were on top of making sure, have you done what you need to do? So the time by the time we get a sponsor, you're ready.
0: The next so step was do- coming to Chicago to be there for a site selection visit. Absolutely, absolutely. A few more months, we done it. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. I mean, we were strategizing all the time. By, by um, November, we still didn't have, this is November, 2019. So we're, we're talking about um, a year and four months. We still yeah. didn't have a, a, a study. So you offered um, interns. You said, you know what, Ada?
0: Hmm. We've
1: got students who need the opportunity to have some hands-on exposure. We'll reach out to our network and see if anybody's willing to, you know, also jump in, find uh, studies, do the follow-ups, and just be consistent. Listen, Dan, I don't know, you know, whoever is listening, if you want a cheerleader, Dan is the man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you.
1: It's, and I'm not exaggerating because I wasn't. A, now, Chris is the sarcastic one. Chris is like, oh.
0: I don't know, Ada,
1: you know, and Dan's like, no, you can do this, Ada, you can do, it." start characters, if you want practicality, Chris is your guy, if you want someone who's like, listen, you want Dan, okay, so M-I-F-H. Dan offered.
0: make it freaking huh? happen, M-I-F-H is my new acronym, make it freaking happen,
1: there you go, that's so you- true, just that do. is so true that is you that is absolutely you um so you gave us the um access to the interns and by november they were up and running uh, january we this is now january um 2020 oh, wow yes 2020 so now we are a year and a half in and no study well what happened was you checked in We saw what the interns were doing and uh, Julie was still submitting fast and furiously on our behalf. And in February, basically a year and seven months later, we got the first real interest with a diabetes study in February. We eventually got that study. And then we got a a cancer study, a a database study Um, a few months later after that. And I remember what you had said is usually by the time you get the one, then a few months later, within the next um, three months, you, it's typical to get another two. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what happened. I don't know what it is in the atmosphere that that door opened.
0: It snowballs. You know, I, it, think it snowballs. I think it's It snowballs. They share a database, like when one sponsor or CRO puts you in, then the other ones kind of tap into it, is what I think happened. That
1: must be it. Because all of a sudden, we were actually getting bites, like people were reaching out to us. And so we got the cancer study, the database cancer study. We got a meningitis study. Um, so by so we got our first study in February. By August, we now had three studies. Hmm. Then in that same month of August, because you know we're trying to make up for lost time. We were running at a loss, we had staff. And hmm. so we were like trying to get as many um, studies as we can. And that's when the famous study Uh, COVID study came along and, you know, the numbers looked great. We thought, oh, we could cover a lot of, um, uh, a lot of our expenses with this study. Um, And it was the height of COVID. So we're like, this will be easy peasy. And we took that study and we actually poured all kinds of energy into that study because it was such an easy study to enroll for. Um, and so we spent a good amount of time in, on that study starting from August. And then after that, we still got other studies. We got um, STI studies, hypertension, asthma, and we continue, we're actually turning down studies now.
0: Oh, you're turning, turning down, down studies yeah,
1: Because we, we, we just, because they're all coming at about the same time, which is um, screening and enrollment. And yes. as you know, that's one of the most challenging times of a study. It takes a lot of time and energy before you go into the maintenance stage. And when you have too many happening at once, you overextend your staff. And so we kind of had to slow down a little, make sure we kind of get some of those studies out of that stage and into maintenance, and then we'll go back to to getting them. But it's just amazing that we're turning down studies, you know, after such a dry spell. Imagine so, I really, tell
0: your former self two years ago, hey, I'm gonna be turning down studies in June 2021. I
1: wouldn't have believed it, <laughs> I wouldn't have believed it. I mean, we went, we were thirsty, okay? We were thirsty <laughs> for studies, and uh, 20, 2020 was our year, 2020, a year and a half after we um started uh, utilizing your service. 2020, as a wow, wow. But the main thing in all of that, there were so many times I wanted to give up. Um, and like I said, again, and I'm not exaggerating, and there's no need for me to, t- to do so. There's two things that kept me. I knew it was a viable business. I'd seen it work. I'd been in the industry long enough. It exists. It wasn't a fallacy. I knew it was a viable business. But to the cheerleader in Dan, I, that just played a huge role. in in really, Dan, I don't think Dan has ever, I don't think you've ever doubted that, we would eventually be successful. Um, and so, that really helped. That I think
0: I really told you, you've given enough time. Just, you know, I don't know what the financial situation is. Obviously, you can't pay staff to sit around forever, but if given enough time, you're gonna get studies. I, I knew that it's just sites typically get in trouble by over hiring during those periods. And then, you know, they have to like, because you can't manage a payroll with no revenue coming in very long. I mean, that's just, you know, no matter how much cheerleading happens, it's your, the money's gonna run out, right? But the perseverance, you know, if you could figure out the money part, the patients just make it last, you know, wait, wait long enough, it's gonna happen. And I think that's what I was telling you also. And the, I think we, we, I don't know the details, but I know like when clients take a little longer uh, to get study, we will typically work for free, which is not something we necessarily advertise, but usually. I wasn't
1: we- going to say that because I was <laughs> like, maybe he won't want me to say that, but I'm going to say it. Yeah.
0: Let me tell you. <laughs> He so actually, he, he, guys. you got it. ask to be legit, legit.
1: And, and you knew it was legit. You knew we were doing the work. We showed you what we were doing. You knew it wasn't a situation where we were just sitting back. No. And it's like, well, come on, you knew. And yep. so you actually stopped charging us for a time frame, And that that was why we were able to stay afloat, you know? Mm. Because we needed your services to help with the submissions and the search finding and the fact finding and, and the follow-up, but we couldn't afford it at a point in time. I know. So that was all a big part of geez.
0: Jeez, uh, so what do you think, where do you think like uh, if you could do it over again, like what, maybe we don't know the answer, like why did it take so long, do you think? Uh, what would you have done differently if you can go back?
1: Um, what I would, and I, and I know, I think that I walked in with the assumption of what I know. And I think that I should have taken a little more time to go over what you've shared with us, because what you share is voluminous. It really is. And I don't think I always um, dove in to the detail. And one of those things was, you know, um, not just the submissions, but the follow ups and how to find them and how to do your feasibility questionnaires and, and all of that. Um, and even though you were helping us with them, if we had focused more on understanding that very well, we could have also been doing those on our own. Um, and so I think two things for me is really arming yourself with the knowledge that your network shares. And then two, from day one, be on point with follow-up, mm-hmm.
0: following
1: up with Everything, the writing to the sponsors, the submitting uh, feasibilities, the submissions to studies really go hard. At one point, you, you had us on a schedule because when we were explaining, you're like, you know what? I'm not really seeing you guys have consistency in the way you follow up. I see you following up, but there's no consistency. So, those kind of things, I think if we had done it from the get go, because Chicagoland is competitive,
0: it gets a um, lot worse. We are right.
1: established PIs out here so Mm -hmm. we needed to stand out some way
0: but now you're guys making a name for yourselves and uh,
1: we have a couple of studies that we're the only ones in the whole midwest area indiana chicago wisconsin um iowa that have the study we're the only ones
0: there you go turning down studies too so what's the next step for eagle because it'd be nice to get to the point where you don't have to turn down studies unless you know you actually can't do them well What's the next step for you? Like, because now I always tell site owners, look, and myself too, myself included, you're you're gonna go from one challenge to the next. You're, you're gonna meet, as soon as we're done recording, you're gonna meet the person who's sitting right here. They're learning how to start a site somewhere in the South. I'll turn it after we record. But I always tell them, look, when you start out, the first problem is get revenue then get profitable, then the problems become way more complex because those are, at the end of the day, it doesn't seem like it at the time, but those are simple problems. I need more studies so I can make more revenue. Those so are simple. It gets complex later. It gets yeah. like, I need another PI because I don't want to be too dependent on one. I need more staff. I need to keep my staff. I need to train them better. There's not enough trained staff. I need to groom them myself the problems become more complex and that's the next step. And then your systems have to grow. Now you got to like start building not just SOPs, but like manuals for your employees so that the business can work without Ada's involvement as much. Right. That's, that's where it gets complex. Isn't that the beginning is like scary because you need money, but the stress doesn't go away. It just changes to something else.
1: And you hit the nail on the head. This is a business with human beings as capital. And (laughs) with that comes personalities, with that comes different work ethics, with that comes uh, different levels of experience. And so we want to one, expand by hiring more staff, but we need to make sure it makes sense. I've looked at sites and I realized, some sites give their study coordinators a really heavy load with regards to protocol. I never wanna be that site. Cause as a monitor, I knew how that didn't make sense. I knew how it impacted my work when I worked with a coordinator that had 10 protocols and wasn't an expert on any.
0: So this is where your CRA background is gonna be an asset for you too.
1: Absolutely. And so for me, for my site, I don't want any of my coordinators to have more than five protocols and they can't all be in the same stage. So it's managing that and making sure that they all have the right workload. And then if we bring on more staff, that it makes sense financially. And what's going to make it make sense? This is the one thing I'm going to start exploring. I'm going to need to tap into your knowledge with regards to that, is really finding good patient recruitment support.
0: I got to guess. Because the
1: basis of a study is the patient recruitment. You can have 10 studies, but if you're not recruiting patients, they're sitting fallow. And that's that's our challenge right now. That is our challenge, I will say. So that's, I need to set up a conference call with you about that.
0: <laughs> a couple vendors. There's one that um, a guy who's in a, a member of my YouTube premium, he has an um, agency that does Facebook ads. So I'll introduce you to him. We're starting to work with him at uh, two of my sites. And then the person sitting next to me they have a experience with several vendors that are doing well for them. So we'll share that with you right now, but we can't identify this individual right now. <laughs> uh, he's here. He, or, <laughs> I don't know he or she is here. Yeah, we'll see them soon, but the rest of you, you can't, you can't see. Um, okay. So, so that's, that's next. That's, that's next. next. Yeah. Expanding in next- staff. Next is more exciting though, because I've been where you're at and by the way, I'm starting a site again in Yuma from scratch, Yuma Arizona rural. Wow. And uh, just that's where know. I want to be.
1: I want to have a network of sites all over the place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what you did though. I'm gonna go into the doctor's office. you know, I had the meetings with him. He sent me a CV today. actually he said, let's start applying. I moved there next month. I'm going to train my niece on how to be a coordinator. I'm going to do it. Um, but And luckily they have patient population, but we're going to get to the point where we exhaust that no matter how big the database is. Absolutely.
1: We'll Absolutely.
0: And um, then the staffing too, the staffing's another problem, but that stuff is the stage you're at is where it gets fun because it's not fun what you've done up to this point, you're stressed out, you know, (laughs) now it could get fun. It's still stress, but it's a different kind of stress. It's, you have a base, you know, you you know where you've been, so you don't want to go back to that place. So It's a matter of building. It gets more exciting. And by the way, a lot of people, and there's nothing wrong with this, stay where you're at right now for the rest of their career. I can do eight Mm. studies a year. I'm making more mm-hmm. than I did as a CRA and I'm, I'm way less stressed. I stay home. I work home. Mm-hmm. I don't fly. I don't go to airports. You know, I'm just in one place and people like that. And that's great. Nothing wrong with that, but there are people mm-hmm. and you're one of them who wants to keep building, you know? Yes. And that's, to me, that's where it gets fun. Um, it's but satisfying. You're, you're past the danger zone. Now you can either coast yes. and be chill for a while or you can just grow and then you're not chill. There's no chill at that point. So speaking of no chill, this is a good segue. Do you want to talk Mm -hmm. about this famous um, uh, scam uh, study or do you wanna chill on that one?
1: (laughs) Oh no, oh (laughs) no. I'm very happy to talk about that because I would not want anyone else to go through what I went through. Yes. And this was totally based on being naive. Yes. Um. Because yes. there were obvious red flags that I should have seen that would make me steer clear of this company. And what I wanna say, especially to new site owners, especially if you're finding yourself in a position where you're really, really hungry for a new study. It's better to have 0% of nothing than hundred, uh-huh. I mean, zero percent of something, then a hundred percent of nothing. And with this company, uh, they're they're called RoMark. Uh, they were based in Florida, and Florida already has a army name in industry when it comes to research. So they didn't help matters, but they presented a COVID study um, that was pretty simple. It really was. You had to either have just a cough, or cold symptoms, or. Be- You know, COVID positive. So it was very easy to enroll people. But the red flags were the way um, they structured, for instance, their contract. You are paying the patients out of your pocket and they're reimbursing you. Each patient in this study, I remember overall for their visits, it's $900 per patient. And Mm -hmm. we were cutting checks to these patients um, for all of their visits. Um, And The cycle for payment, even though there was a contract in place, was not being honored um, by RoMark. Um, Not only that, um, the data that they asked us to provide, we would provide it. um, And after providing it, payment was still not being rendered. And so we went months in to this study, you know, just believe, you know, doing it on good faith. um, And we started this study in August. By December, we had not been paid anything. Um, August of 2020, we had not been paid anything. Um, And when we spoke with them, we had done everything we were supposed to do. There was one excuse or the other game. And still in good faith, not believing there would be anybody in the industry who would just not honor their part of the process. Um, We were giving them everything they requested. We continued seeing the subjects, believing that you know, eventually there would be a payout. And so we paid for everything. We funded their study for them and paid for everything we did. Labs, everything, we paid for it. Um, It got to a point where they had decided to shut down the study earlier. And in deciding to shut down earlier, they now asked us to prepare for closeout. And I'm like, wait a minute, we haven't even gotten paid for screening and enrollment. We haven't gotten paid for IMVs. We're not going to begin the process of closeout without some type of compensation. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we kind of went back and forth on that. Labs were asking us to return things. Um, uh, The companies were asking us to return kits. We we put our foot down and said, we're not gonna do any of that until um, there's some type of uh, remuneration.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, At that point, we did our research. We decided to look up the company because we couldn't believe that there was a pharmaceutical company that would behave like this. And we found out one that they had filed you know, in bankruptcy, that they, didn't, they had been kicked out of the building that they, the corporate building that they'd been in for years, they couldn't pay their rent. Um, so all kinds of uh, odd things were going on with regards to this company. Um, so that's when we dug our foot even more that there's no way we're going to give over any data. And they came calling saying, hey, we've got this um, financial backer they will help us to pay you off, yeah, but they yeah. won't do that until you give us data that we can show. You know um, the outcome of the result of this.
0: And at and that so point, doesn't to- make sense either because why would you, if the data, if they're showing efficacy or safety, whatever. Like, I don't know the details. Why would you end yeah. the study uh, and not let the data continue? Usually, they end the study if the data, you know, if there's no efficacy
1: absolutely it didn't make sense but we were in between a rock and a hard place as you remember we hadn't had a study in a while and so um, we brought our team on board and they did some negotiations um, and then eventually we agreed to um, release the data um, and they did not fulfill or honor the negotiations that were in place and when i say up to the president called us and really said listen we we're, we we've got you we're going to but we can't do anything our hands are tied unless we have this data i mean they really pled their case and they had their finance guy on the chief financial officer and they really and and you know again like i said red flag these were people who were ignoring our emails before mm-hmm. all of a sudden now you needed this and all of you were on our phone all of you were in our emails but we also were new in the industry and so we wanted to do the right thing and yeah. so we gave it over um, till today. They have not paid us.
0: So not uh, we paid have them. sent
1: a letter through our attorney to them. Um, and uh, they, had a certain, they have a certain amount of time frame. I think it ends this month. Um, and then we'll see what next steps are. And I think what they're looking at or hoping is, you know, it's gonna end up costing us more to take them to court or whatnot mm-hmm. um, versus just letting it go. And I think they're hoping for that. Um, but I'm still believing that um, we can find some type of resolution because I, I understand we're not the only site that no. there are sites all over the U.S. that went through this um, and I think like I said the red flag was paying for things out of our own pocket and going forward unfortunately we're not going to deal with any more small biotech companies No. unfortunately for authentic biotech companies here's, the here's studies we have right now
0: i i wrote an article on this i think um the real red flag with me obviously the stuff you said red flag when i started this just to give people context only two of our clients have this study we have like 50 to 70 clients right now across the country so ada and someone else who we're going to talk to later um we learned about this study through you guys so then i was like okay whatever okay and, and i was even thinking hey this seems like a good study. Why don't I get it for one of my sites? This mm-hmm. was the Yuma site, but then mm-hmm. things with that PI fell through or else I would have gotten this study too. That would have been my first study. and You know, I would have gone gung ho on it also. Absolutely. To me, when I started hearing more things from you, the other another guy I know that's not a client and my other client, I was like, let me look into this. They're not publicly traded, which was mm-hmm. the biggest red flag to me. So the small biotechs, they're fine to work with if they're publicly traded, like if they're actually listed on uh, the stock market, right? That means they have access to public funds. They're not going to run out of money for one or two studies. So you're generally safe with that. And publicly traded companies do have a fiduciary obligation to pay their uh, stakeholder, which are their vendor, unless they go bankrupt. (coughs) Romark. Then they're not publicly traded, so they're getting their financing. Who knows where? And apparently, no investor is going to want to invest in a drug that doesn't show efficacy. Because why else will they pull the plug? But we do know RoMark has money because we know another. You can mention them if you want. I won't because they're a direct competitor. There's a consultant. There you go. Yeah. Uh, they they have sites and they you know they're bigger than us and they have more muscle. Um, meaning more attorneys, their sites Mm -hmm. got paid. We know that their sites got paid. So who knows what they did. We can talk off camera about strategies. I have a few that I was talking to with one of the other sites. So um, after we record, we can talk if you have time, Ada. That
1: would be great. That would be great.
0: I have some ideas, but I don't know. I mean, it's a long shot, but it- it, It, Everything is a long
1: shot with them. Um, Like I said, I've been a little bit gun shy with smaller uh, biotech companies all the companies we have currently are huge brand name yeah. names you recognize companies and they've been no problem at all
0: you but know? you're resilient um, because after, like to have this study come after what almost two years of yeah. not having a study and then you got some uh, thank god you got some other studies that did pay so you yes. can absorb the losses of this but you're resilient because you this doesn't stop you, and you're still turning down studies now. Uh, but <laughs> context, people are like, "Oh, how can you be so naive?" Look, guys, we're in the middle of COVID, which is once in a century event. The industry was super excited. There was so much work. Yes. You didn't. If you heard COVID, you basically heard like money. This is mm-hmm. like vaccine treatment, prophylactic, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So you didn't really care. You're like, all right, let's do it. This is COVID, you know, the red flags might be here. Maybe sounds too good to be true, but also we're in a once in a century event. It's not gonna happen again for another century probably. So Mm -hmm. let's try it. I would have done the same thing. It's not, I don't think it's a matter of being naive. I think the context is important to uh, put in-
1: The context, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And many, 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 many sites came on Any board and some know. of them quite <laughs> I mean, experienced
0: i was on the um i i um hypothetically heard through the grapevine let's just put it that way um mm-hmm. a town hall meeting they had with yes. their other site network and there were a bunch of sites on there um but then there they asked somebody asked well, what about the other sites who are not part of this network? And the CEO gave some kind of roundabout answer, basically saying no. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we know they got some money to pay the. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk about that. But resilient, like, how are you uh, so resilient? So many people would have quit. Yes, what made you not quit after?
1: And I and I, and I had to 10? talk to my partners. Yeah. I had to talk to my partners because they're like enough is enough, you know, but telling them, listen, I've been in the industry long enough. I think that the resilience is because I've been in the industry. If you're from outside the industry, it would be easy to be like, this isn't for me, yeah. but I knew the
0: potential. How did you, because yeah. now your partners, you know, your partner, I'm assuming are research naive, or at least at the time they were. Yes. Cause I'm thinking, okay, this is similar to me and my new doctor in Arizona, like, right now he's trusting me he doesn't watch youtube doesn't know who i am mm-hmm. he's trusting me that i know what i'm doing yes. so if i were to go almost two years with no studies but mm-hmm. i'm just in his office you know work yeah. and then i get a study I, I get like four studies but one of them doesn't pay we're actually losing money
1: yeah
0: he would be like dan what what are you doing now i'm starting <laughs> to go to bad right so how did you yeah. get past this You know it was being able to call the meetings be
1: transparent with the team about what has occurred but also balance it out with the fact that we have these other amazing studies and we have the opportunity to make up for our losses here the good thing like i said was we didn't go out and rent a standalone building and buy equipment and all of those so we were blessed to have a bit of a cushion in terms of expenses overheads because it was a clinic anyway. Yeah. It was where he was seeing patients anyway. Those mm-hmm. bills were getting paid anyway, you know? So the office space he gave me in there, it was being paid for anyway. Yeah. So it wasn't really taking a lot of money out of his pocket. Although as partners, we came up with money that we fronted mm-hmm. and that was the money that was used to pay out these people at uh, oh, no, for no. the, yeah, for the Romark study. So unfortunately that occurred, but luckily we had the other studies that were able to help us uh, even out the amount of uh, um, damage that occurred as a result. So we didn't have to go to each other and say, bring out more money and invest. We didn't have to because the other studies were able to make up for that.
0: That shows you how the studies are worth it in the end, because you got basically four studies that are not only not only paying for themselves and enough profit for the last two years of of not doing anything, but also absorbing the tremendous losses from this room mark disaster. It's right. right? So that it's
1: still a big old red line in our spreadsheet. <laughs> it's a red line. <laughs>
0: it's a good but, text uh, we're, believing. we're believing we it's a good tax write off if nothing else. But man, that's just it's not over, Ada. We still got a fighter's chance. I got some ideas, that's right? You're not alone. There's, that's right. I know two other, actually, here's the thing you and our other client. Okay. That's the ones I talked to, but mm-hmm. there was another random person on YouTube after I wrote the article and he said he has a site. If you're watching this, um, reach out to me because I forgot who you were because I don't know him, but he said he's willing to group a bunch of sites together. Also, I don't know if I sent an email, awesome. Um, but yeah, there's uh, there's others out there that we don't even know that we're and yeah. So if you're involved with Romark, reach out to me, and I'll put a group together. I'm not getting involved legally, but I'm gonna help you guys network with one another Absolutely. so you can so you can pursue um, you know what you gotta do. At least get something back.
1: And this again goes to back up what I'm saying to everyone listening is that Dan takes this very personal. I don't think it's about the money for him. I mean, he has his own sites, lots of them, and he's generating income from those, but he really does wanna see our success. And you can imagine a situation that he's not technically involved in, and yet he wants to be a connector and make sure you know that there's some type of resolution. So just appreciate you all the time, Dan.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. If we have one, one or two clients involved or more, obviously, um, we got to do what we can to help you guys out. Um, so we'll definitely talk. But Ada, what an amazing story. I mean, it's <laughs> like a soap opera from the- <laughs> A
1: telenovela. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Latino- <laughs> telenovela. Jeez. Um, and the best is yet to come. I think you guys are going to have a bright future with the Eagle. And we, we have the LinkedIn link underneath the show notes if you're listening it's on the show notes if you're on youtube it's underneath the video so you can check out you connect with Ada um and then we'll do we'll do uh you know a follow-up in a year Absolutely. Or so to see how you've been growing what are your plans for the future like what what are uh, for the next two years
1: you know like I said well we're at six figures now at least we're operating at six figures and I want to get into the seven figure range so that's expansion and we're looking forward to doing that
0: that's awesome, awesome, awesome. So thank you very much, Ada, for your time. Yeah, we thank really you. appreciate it. It's good to showcase stories like this that you're a success story, but it you took the the scenic view. <laughs> <You took laughs>
1: the right.
0: The <laughs> full road, the express lane, you took the, yeah. you were stuck in heavy traffic, signal alerts everywhere um That's but right. you made you made it through and now okay. it's just now it's just starting now it's just starting yeah. and chances are there won't be another road mark in your career because oh never dealt with I'll,
1: I'll see them a mile off trust me
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will we will the only potential risk is if there's another biotech bubble burst like it happened in 07 uh-huh. i remember a biotech's they all, because the biotech bubble and then the huge great, uh, not not great recession, what's it called? The last great recession, whatever it was in 07, mm-hmm. the biotech bubble popped along with everything else. And Right, the housing
1: t- market t- and everything. Housing, yeah, yeah,
0: subprime. A lot of those biotechs went bankrupt and didn't pay sites. Luckily, I was not a site that didn't get paid, but I know I knew of sites back then. So this is something that can potentially reoccur in the case of Romark, that's not the case. They're doing this in an environment where money is plentiful. Mm-hmm. So this is different. <laughs> this is a different oh, yeah. case. They're a special oh, yeah. breed altogether.
1: Very, uh, very.
0: But, but we very. look forward to more uh, interviews with you. And um, absolutely, I, I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to share my story and the, my perspective. Um, Because sometimes people don't want that out there. So that's, you know, uh, allows for transparency. So people really do know what they're getting into and, and, and take the time to really do their research. So they're ready for things like any type of pitfalls that I ran into.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Ada. Thank you everybody for watching, listening, especially my live audience member here. he's here eating popcorn and watching (laughs) Uh, thank you guys talk to you later bye bye